Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. We're here to accelerate growth in your sports PT career while giving you the tools to provide your athletes with game-changing results. Here's your host, sports physical therapist and practice owner, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Dr. Lissa Cleary, who joins us for today's conversation, has an unbelievable practice that is growing like wildfire out in California. It's called Athletic Lab, and they are a one-on-one cash-based physical therapy practice. You're going to learn a ton from her in this conversation because I really try to dig into how she started her practice, uh, some of her growing pains, and, and really some of her amazing successes along the way. She's had Athletic Lab rolling for two years now. Um, so plenty to digest and to learn here. Always reach out to us. Um, True Sports PT on Instagram is the easiest way to get a hold of us or shoot me an email, yoni at truesportspt.com. You got a lot to learn from Lissa Cleary. This one's going to be awesome because I've known Lissa Cleary for a really long time. I don't even remember um, what year it was that we met, but you're, you're going to share that. And, and what we're going to learn about is how you've taken um, kind of your brainchild of private practice and how you, you created it and where it is now and all the things that you learned along the way. So Lissa Cleary. Tell us your origin story and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Hey, Yoni. Um, thanks for having me on. This is really, truly full circle. So you were my PT for, gosh, I had a bunch of surgeries that got me into physical therapy. So you were one of my initial physical therapists. And I attribute my just love for the field to, to you and, and some other initial physical therapists at the beginning. So yeah, this is really, really full circle. Um, so yeah, I'm out in California now. I, um, you know, went to USC for my physical therapy degree. That's where I met my current business partner, Lauren, who, you know, we were best friends in PT school and started a business together and are still best friends to this day. So um, after PT school, went through the USC orthopedic residency and then worked in an outpatient practice here in, in LA in Santa Monica for, you know, over five years, um, and then started teaching at USC as well. So started dabbling in some things just outside of of clinical work, and then just recently, you know, two years ago, we started. We said, "Let's do this thing. Let's start our own business." And um, we're two years into Athletic Lab. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait to hear about specifics about Athletic Lab. Um, where was undergrad? Virginia. University of Virginia. Yes. Um, okay. So I remember that. I remember it being a knee that I think I treated you for. Yeah. I want to say MPFL. Yes. MPFL. My kneecap dislocated. I was a tennis player growing up, um, and wanted to play in college. I didn't end up playing in college. It was probably a blessing in disguise, but, um, partially because of some, you know, orthopedic injuries I had myself. So, yeah. Okay. So, so it was MPFL and is it, was it the MPFL world that really took you into PT or did you know that before injury? I, I think I knew it before that specific injury. I also had some, a slap repair. Um, and so some shoulder issues as well, but you know, at UVA, I was an English major. So so as much as I thought I, I wanted to do physical therapy going into college, they're like, 
do what you like, do what you're, you're good at. And that was English at the time um, and thought I wanted to go into PR and marketing. And it wasn't until after actually I graduated from UVA with an English degree that um, I was working in advertising sales and just said, you know, I don't think this is for me. What do I, what do I really have a passion in? What do I really love? And went back to actually the community college in Charlottesville, Virginia, took some classes and then applied to, to PT school. Uh, I love that. Um, you, you know, you say you're not in PR and marketing, but I bet you, you actually yeah. are. Um, yes. And, and, and I bet you're great at it. So, okay. So at what point you said, well, you're working, um, coming out of your um, USC residency. Tell me about yep. that job. What was that like? And then what was that moment when you're like, I got to do this myself? Yeah. So I was working at an outpatient clinic in Santa Monica and as far as outpatient clinics go, I, I think it was, it was awesome. Um, I was there for five years, you know, it said something about the clinic and the business. Um, I was seeing two patients an hour and I had an hour for evals, which, which was great for, a, you know, a, a good blend of volume of patients, which was so important for me coming out of PT school and residency is to get that volume of patient care under my belt. Um, and still felt I could give a decent amount of, of quality of care. So, after doing that for you know, five or so years, I'd been dabbling in some other things. Like I mentioned, the teaching, I'd been seeing some private clients on the side and um, those, you know, I was, with those clients, I was able to spend the full hour with them and felt like there was a difference in the skill set that I was able to use and the care that I was able to provide with those clients rather than you know, the, the grind of needing to see the patients and then finish the paperwork and get to my next one. And uh, so I just, I was ready for one to, to work for myself. That was, that was a big driver. And then two, to really feel like I could leverage the skill set that I had to do better for myself. And then the patients that were in front of me. Yeah. What, what were you most scared about before you started athletic lab? Uh, I think I was scared that, it would work, you know, like I didn't have any business, uh, any formal training in business. Right. So but like no you mentioned, does, no right. <laughs> sure. I think I did like an Excel sheet third year of PT school, you know, that I wasn't about to dig up about mm -hmm. the, econ the economics of, of owning your own business. Um, so I think it was, would people, yeah. Could I do this? Would people trust me would people invest because I was going the cash based route. I was I wanted to go outside of the typical insurance model. So would people really invest in me and what I had to offer them? And how do you overcome that fear? Because I think a lot of times that fear just paralyzes the entrepreneur and it never happens. So how do you overcome mm -hmm. that? Yeah, I think part of it is surrounding myself with people who had done this before and had done it successfully and who had confidence in me or helped me realize the confidence I had in myself and kind of helped me through the step-by-step -step process that we needed to take to be able to get those clients and how do I how do I instill the trust in those people and part of it I I was already doing but I think those people who I surrounded myself with helped me to like um, solidify that or recognize what those tangible things that I was doing were. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Talk to me about the partner route because that, that's a different um, kind of track than I've taken. So 
what made you want to start with a partner? Yeah. Um, part of it was we had just, you know, we were best friends. So we hang out a lot. We have a lot of PT friends. So a lot of the conversation centers around physical therapy as much as we try to talk about other things. Um, and you know, it comes down a lot of the conversations surrounded were about like, how could we do this better? What else could we do? And so those conversations that we had together naturally evolved into like, yes, let's do this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad I did, you know, I certainly thought about, well, if you're, you're in it with someone else and you've got to split things both ways, but that the, the downside of that, if you consider that a downside is far outweighed by uh, the camaraderie, the, the sharing of perspectives, the, the sharing of the, the good times and the hard times and the brainstorming that we can do. So it's been, and the fact that, yeah, we're best friends doing it and have similar perspectives is, is awesome. That is awesome. It's gotta be a one plus one equals three situation, right? I've seen, I've seen where people have started with a partner and they were all, they were like twins. And I think it really hurt them because they weren't bringing in skill sets that they didn't have. They weren't complimenting one another. So tell me how your partner, your business partner compliments you. Yeah. You know, I think we could certainly do a better job of formally like figuring that out now that we're two years in. Right. Because, um, we, we are very, we are very similar. And so up to this point, we've really been just like supporting each other in very similar ways, um, and delegating tasks. But I think it's taken time for us to realize, you know, Oh, you like, well, like dealing with the the back end side of the business or more the finance side of things versus, you know, you like getting the the marketing aspects done. So we're really still in the, the figuring that out stage. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so worthwhile considering that. And I think it's, um, it, it's a new, it's a new step. We're going to get a little bit more into, um, like the way you started and founded this practice. I know when I found mm-hmm. the true sports, I was coming off of reading uh, a really awesome book called the E-Myth. Did you read that? I didn't know. So put that on your list. E-Myth, awesome. E-Myth is why I started um, true sports, I'd say, or at least it was hmm. a, a lens through which I saw starting a business. It's all about essentially working on the business and not in the business. And how do you move yourself to become the entrepreneur versus just in our world, the clinician, right? Treating, 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 treating. Totally. Um, and I definitely know like when I hung that shingle, I just started treating, 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 but it's like, how do we, how do we take a step back? How do we extract ourselves to say, what is an awesome structure through which people can thrive both patient and PT, right? Yeah, totally. Um, And so like trying to figure out like, how to do that. I think it's so overwhelming when you start taking on debt responsibility, et cetera. You're just like, I just got to treat. Right. 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 And, and, and so how do you overcome that? Yeah. And even starting your own business, so much of it is still like, you still have to treat, like, you still yeah. have to be so g- good at that. And that takes a lot of your time too. So one, you have to have, keep the quality up of your treatment and, and prioritize that quality because that's why people are investing in you. Um, but that's not what makes the business run. That's not what makes the business grow. So, um, that is a, a constant learning process and, um, what are you, what are you doing now to be good at that? Cause you're obviously good at it, right? Like you, you, you've brought on a staff PT, you, you've grown, yeah. you're, you're around two years. 
what do you attribute that success to? How are you extricating yourself from just treating? It's um, prioritizing it, coming up with a, a like a list of systems systems really that I think that's, you know, when we were actually part of a business networking group that really helped us and gave us a lot of the foundation for, um, for the business side of things. And, and they just hammer system, system, systems from the beginning. And now, you know, I always was like, Oh, it must be true, but now I know it's true. And so as much as I, you know, that's not the, the fun side of things, it makes things so much easier if you can break down, um, each system to like the smallest doable step that can get done to then eventually months, years from now, be a working system. You know, so I, this is PT, right? It's minimal effective dose. Like what do you need yes. to do to, to, yep. get, to get to where you want to go? Um, so that's awesome. That's your answer, by the way, is, Hey, I was a part of this networking group that gave me this outline that when I'm not distracted by patients that are in front of me, I follow. I think that's the answer, right? Right. Totally. And I think that took what would take, uh, what have taken us, who knows how long, five years, 10 years to be where we are now to, okay, we could be in a standalone space. We could hire a staff PT within two years of, of starting the business. Um, it just, it expedited things, you know, like they made all the mistakes for us. We still made our fair share of mistakes for sure, but um, it having a blueprint that you know leads to successful outcomes for others has been just like invaluable. Invaluable. That's that is great advice. How how did you find that business network? You know, through Instagram, I'm sure social media with mm -hmm. targeted ads these days, you start to Google PT business and and you get, you know, ads from the people who have done it. And yeah. so um yeah, we, we started reaching out to them. Initially, they have a Facebook group that we just kind of poked around in and got our feet wet a little bit. And then and it's uh, PT we, specific. It's PT specific. Yeah. Oh, PT awesome. biz. Yeah. Cool. Okay. PT biz. Um, super cool. And yeah, there are, there are a few out there. Um, yep. I know I've dabbled with um, PT specific consultants mm -hmm. um, to differing levels of success. I think it's just like with anything. It's like, you have to be um, a really discerning consumer and customer. Yeah, and and you have to know what questions to ask. You have to you have to use use the service, you know. Um, and there have been kind of inflection points in our business where we definitely use the service and use use the network more than other times. Like, you know, we've there's times where we dare I say coast, because you're never coasting when you're owning your own business. But there are times where things are just kind of rolling and, and there's less um, need for that help. But yeah. when there is the need for that help, um, you, know, you know where to go for it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's an awesome safety net. Um, okay, so let's, let's back all the way up to when you decide with Lauren, hey, we're going to start Athletic Lab. Yep. Remember those early days. What is the what did you do first? Where do you even start? You're still working for someone else, right? Yep. So, so what did you yep. do? So we got a website okay. and you, you know that we had someone build it for us. Okay. So yeah. you, that's your first investment. Yes. Was our first investment was pretty much a website. Actually we had started, that wasn't the first thing we did because we had started seeing patients before we did that. Um, but that was certainly something at, 
at the very beginning so we could have that online presence because it's so important these days. Um, but we started seeing patients out of a gym and I think, you know, so we started January, 2021. So especially in California, like gyms were hurting at that point because yeah. there were a lot of restrictions. They could, they couldn't get the volume and they couldn't get the clientele in there that they wanted to because of restrictions due to the pandemic. So we reached out to a bunch of gyms and just said, Hey, this is what we're, you know, we're two physical therapists. We're looking to collaborate with, um, with a gym and really elevate both sides of this model, right? The physical therapy side, and then also the fitness performance training side of things. And, um, there was a gym. So training mate in Santa Monica, we, they heard our story. I think it helped that we were two female entrepreneurs, you know, wanting to start our own business. I think that helped our story. Um, and they, they trusted us and allowed us to basically rent space in their facility while things were, you know, picking back up from COVID and, um, we were there for, yeah, full, I mean, oops, whoops. I still see you. Oh, you got a call. Is that gone? Yeah. And I never, okay, let me see. Sorry. It's Google voice and I never know. There we go. Okay. There we go. Um, get edited out. Okay. So you, you go into a gym, um, you and Lauren, you start your business now. Okay. Let me ask you a couple of questions that jumped to my mind as an employer. Sure. You're you're still working for someone, right? But you have this side hustle of treating other patients. Yeah. So we, so at that point, neither of us was actually working for a formal clinic. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I still had the teaching at USC, which was honestly a, a big, a huge thing for me because it provided some of that, uh, stability financially. Right. Um, but we had, we had been dabbling on the side with some private patients, but really when we decided like, Hey, this is a formal business now we had quit our prior jobs. Okay, cool. And, um, no worries about non-compete or anything like that. Right. Yep. Okay. So that's because it was far enough away. Um, not necessarily, it was far enough away. You know, I, the intention was not to take the client caseload from, sure. you know, the current places where we had worked and PT is a small world. So yeah, that's just not a good foot to start your business on. So honestly, you didn't even bark up that tree or ask if that was a thing. It was just, I, I knew the integrity of my business. That was not my intention. So. Okay. So, th- so that's great. Um, and then did you sign a longer term lease? how do you go about? So we, yeah, we had done, our lease was month to month initially, and actually it was month to month, the entire term that we were with that gym and which was awesome. Um, again, there were, it's just the, a lot of times the the biggest barrier to entry is overhead, right? So to, to keep the overhead really, really low and low stakes (laughs) initially was, was very helpful. So yeah, we were month to month. Um, we started with a, a per patient like uh, number, but we had capped that at a, at a certain number, you know, and then once we reached that number, it just, um, we were at that, that rent for the, the time we were there. Genius. Great idea. Um, in order to, to limit your exposure, it's a great way to get rolling. Um, yep. and then, so outside of that per patient, and then eventually it really becomes like a flat fee of your rent, right? Were, yep. you, were you spending on anything else? You said website, anything else? 
Um, you know, we had, we dabbled with some advertising once we got our systems and like our, our community networking rolling. Um, so we were spending some money there, but at the time the gym had equipment that we were using. So we really didn't have to, I think we bought a treadmill. That was it. So that was another blessing that we could use their, their equipment to start as well. And no build out or anything. Did you have private treatment rooms? No private treatment rooms. Yeah. And in fact, you know, it's, it's one of those things we still look back on and smile so that the treatment, uh, the, the gym, the private training gym room was right next to where they did their classes. Cause it was, it was class-based fitness and the music in the, the class-based fitness area was so loud. So you'd yeah. hear it through the walls, you know, yeah. and, um, we were at the mercy of whatever music they wanted to play at 7am in the morning or 7pm at night. So, yeah. um, yeah, no private treatment room, but, um, I've yeah, been there. You know? I've definitely, I've definitely been there. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm still there. The truth is yeah. <laughs> in, in many locations. Um, Okay, and then how'd you come up with the name and how'd you come up with the design and who's doing all that stuff for you? Yeah, we, uh, again, it was years of brainstorming, you know, in, the, in those conversations I was telling you about. Yeah. Um, the lab part, we really wanted to, the lab encapsulates, you know, t like you'd take your car into a mechanic and um, get the parts looked at or make sure the car is running the best. So the, the, like a human lab is we want to be those people for our community where they that can come and that would be athletic shop, <laughs> a shop, okay. right. but shop doesn't sound so good. Doesn't, so, you I know, yeah. the lab is the more like scientific side okay, of things, right? Okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. Um, okay. yeah. and then, and then logo design, how'd you go Lo about doing that? Um, yeah, you're just taking me way back. It's yeah. so fun to like recall all these memories, you know? Um, so there's a website called Fiverr, F-I-V-R. And we, it was a total shot in a jark. Like we were trying to keep our overhead low. We said, initially, I think we were like, oh, $20 for, you know, two, two logo tries. We we're like, what the heck? We'll go big. We'll do 50. And I think that got us five logos. And when we got back, we loved. So we paid 50 bucks for, you know, someone on Fiverr to uh, design our logo. I love that. And that's the logo you currently have. Yep. Which is awesome. I, I, I love it too. And you were always a black and gold girl. Where'd that come from? We, you know, no, um, we just thought it looked sleek. We it love does. the gold. Okay. Um, I think it's, you know, it's sleek, it's modern. And part of that is behind what we, what our goal was with physical therapy is to, you know, get rid of some of that outdated perception of physical therapy and make it work for the modern individual. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. That definitely comes that definitely comes across. Now, blending this sleek and modern comes thinking back to um, like the tried and true. And so I was always told before you launch a business, you got to have like a business plan. You got to present the business plan. And like, did you go through a process like that? Um, you know, my dad actually had I talked to me. Dad. Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Um, yeah, what he said. He, he has, uh, spoke a lot about like minimum viable product. Right. And so MVP. yeah, yeah. Yes. It's good to have an idea of where you're going, which would be the whole business plan built out. But like, mm -hmm. what, what is 
what is the lowest common denominator, lowest barrier to entry for you to just start and do something? And that's really what we did. So we didn't have a formal business plan. We came up with a mission statement. You know, we, we started thinking about kind of core values and, and what the why behind our business was, but we didn't really flesh out a whole, a whole business plan. Do you think you missed anything by not doing that? I, I don't know. I think the, I, I can get paralyzed sometimes. I, I just know myself by, by researching things, by reading things, by figuring out what's the best way to start or what the perfect time is to start. And so I would have worked on a business plan for years before it looked like, all right, now I'm ready to do this thing or this business plan is good enough. So for me personally, I think it was better to just hit the ground running you know, and put, start putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And then when do you start really reinvesting in the business? So I'm thinking like simple stuff like uh, marketing collateral. When do you decide like, you know what, we're going to start embroidering our shirts or we're going to wear, you know, something specific. We're going to invest in drywall and that's going to allow us to do a low back. Even. Like when do you start doing that? Yep. Um, you know, well, we had, we invested in that business group right from the beginning. So, um, going back to startups costs, that was definitely our biggest startup cost. So that was a huge investment in ourselves and the business from the very beginning. Um, and I'd say it really wasn't until six months, maybe a year in when we started looking at, um, paid advertising, you know, we got some, some shirts just for Lauren and myself initially, but that was really it. Um, and that was so we could wear them to workshops we did in the community. So most of it, we tried to keep as grassroots as possible mm-hmm. so that we could keep our, our overhead low and um, build that foundation. And there was a way to do it without spending that much money. So really now that we have our own space, which was, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, about two years. It, when does that happen? That happened about two years in. Okay. And how big is that space? 1,500 square feet. Okay. This is a whole new um, version or I guess like I'd say a new stage in your entrepreneurship when you start looking for space. I felt like that was a big deal for me, right? So all of a sudden you start learning new languages like what's a square foot and you know what's a cam payment and what what ceiling heights do I need and what is tenant improvement, all this crap. Totally. Totally. So, okay. So now you're saying 1500 square feet Mm -hmm. and the audience is like, I've, I don't know what that means. So how big is 1500 square feet and what else did you consider? Yeah. So we, I mean, we're in Santa Monica, which, you know, in, in LA, when one of the more expensive cities. So that was definitely a barrier, a a barrier for sure was price per square foot because we, um, only wanted to, to spend so much. So 1500 square feet, uh, gosh, you know, <laughs> I'm really bad at, at describing square feet, but, um, you know, it's an, it's enough for like, we have three PTs treating there in there at one time, um, with clients. So six people and, and that works and it's spacious. Um, we have one private treatment room and we have a back room that actually has a, a Pilates reformer because our, our newest PT uh, does some Pilates. So we're expanding a little bit into that, that realm, but waiting room, reception, bathrooms, showers. Yeah, we have a little waiting room. Yeah. Okay. So, and part of that is, uh, no, no showers, but okay. yes, the bathroom, you know, part of that is the waiting room that that was almost one of the most fun places to design in terms of like now we're interior decorators too, you know? 
Um, so just from the moment the client walks in the door, right, they're in this space. So what is this experience going to be like for them? And, and having our own space really allowed us to curate more of that experience. Yeah, I love that. It's a, it's a totally different mindset. Um, and, and I think you were, you're all over it. That's a great way to look at it is what is my patient going to feel? What is the path of the patient through this rehab process, but through the facility? So yep. as you go to look to, um, as you go to look for space, the first thing obviously is the financial, right? And you mentioned that I don't want to pay. The, I know how much I want to pay per square yeah. foot. So that's one. And then yep. two, how much money am I going to sink into build out? So you got to like price that in yep. and what product am I offering? So I bet on your wish list would have been, and when athletic lab explodes to 6,000 square feet, <laughs> The first thing you're doing is I bet you put showers in there. And I'm just thinking like, because you want people to be able to come in, work out with Lissa Cleary, which there's a line, but if they're going to do it right before work, you got to hit showers. You hit showers. Totally. Yeah. So, so thinking through those things and uh, little known fact, like showers are really expensive to put in. So, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, we did the space we, we entered into, luckily the build out was minimal. Um, we, we didn't really knock down a single wall. We put down the rubber flooring, we painted, but even that, like take the price you think it's going to be and triple it. <laughs> like, um, you know, and we did it for a relatively reasonable, comfortable number for us. And you know, we think we're very happy with the space, but, um, if it gets into the, the HVAC system and you need mm-hmm. to change that, if you need to knock down walls, like it's just, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game that, like you said, going into your own space, things I never considered before. Yeah, for um, sure. Now, how did you, you find the space? Did you have a, a broker? We had a broker, yeah, which was uh, highly recommend. I, I can't imagine doing this without someone who's knowledgeable of the, the market, you know, the area, and it's so region-specific. So you need someone to, to advocate for you with the landlords. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and do they need to be PT specific? Let me ask you that. No, you know, we had, ours was actually an office broker. So he mostly worked with office spaces and funny enough, we ended up in uh, street front office space, which I think worked to our advantage because a lot of companies don't need street front office space, right? If they're an office, they could afford to be in the, the fifth floor of a building in the back. Um, so we lucked out, I think in that and, um, so he had worked with a PT business in the past, which was nice for us to know, gave us a little confidence, but he primarily had dealt with office spaces. And how'd you find them? Um, through, how did we find him? Through a friend. Okay. Yeah, so, just so like- really living on that network, right? That, that totally. That stuff is super important. The, I'll tell you what jumps out to me is some of the best advice I've gotten, it sounds like you've really employed, which is- you got to build yourself a team of these people that know this stuff that that you simply were not equipped to know. Um, and one is this mortgage, or sorry, this real estate game. And so, yeah. um, when you get into this real estate game, what's helpful for me now is um, I, I have a great broker. He knows our model, so he mm-hmm. knows what true sports needs. He knows we need mm-hmm. high ceilings. He knows our budget because he knows our model. He knows what we generate. He knows what types of profit margins there are. And so that's why we can afford X. And because of that, he can then approach a landlord and say, here's what these guys need. Like, do you have it? Do you not? And he just gives them an yep. awesome framework. So right. um, for what it's worth. 
Yeah. And imagine for you guys now that you're you know, more established, it's um, like, we just felt like such a small fish in a big pond, right? You're, yeah. you're a bit of a bigger fish in yeah. still a big, big pond. So having that, um, the, the credibility and the, the financials to, to show that your business is, is a legitimate business, right? Is, yeah. is another barrier, barrier as you find your own space. You know what? That's true. But, but remember, um, like someone, someone looks at like my ever changing, um, email signature and they're like, Oh, you're up to this amount of clinics or that amount of clinics. And I'm like, anyone can sign a lease. And my point in saying that is landlords are dying for people like Lisa Cleary. They, they really don't care that much. If you've been in business for 15 years or two months, if you can sign and prove to them that you're, you have a really good chance at making your rent, they're yep. thrilled, thrilled to have you. So try not to be too intimidated um, about, about like, hey, this is my first venture or this is only my second office or third office or whatever. They want you sure. in there. They want yep. you in there. And if you get the right representation, like you clearly did, that person should be making the case to the landlord. Yes. Um, and that's totally worthwhile. And the great news is he doesn't cost you a dime, right? Right. He doesn't cost you a dime. So now let's talk about people who do cost you dimes. Sure. Who, who's on that payroll list? <laughs> so, well, we've got, right, like as a part of our business, we have a client care coordinator Whoa. who, yeah, like an admin assistant. Cool. So, but she, she just does so much more than admin work. She's really the first voice that people hear when they call in. So she's that first contact point for people when they reach out to athletic lab. Um, okay, and she's actually, What's her name? Yeah. Carrie. Carrie. She's, she is no offense. She's probably the most important person in athletic lab, right? A hundred percent. Okay. So she's, so when do you decide to hire that role? Yeah, that was a, uh, to say an obvious decision, maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but once you get to a point where you feel like you can't keep up with the quality of treating the patients, scheduling the patients, dealing with the rescheduling of the patients, calling this person back. Like you just, I just felt like people were slipping through the cracks a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, was not our goal with the model that we were doing. So once we felt like things were slipping through the cracks, we knew we needed someone to help with that. Um, and so she's in, when do you think that, that, that was probably six months in. Six months in, that yeah. for me, I, I don't know how you feel about it. That was the scariest hire for me. I was more ready to invest in a PT than I was um, a, a patient care coordinator. Right, because they're not visibly generating money for you. Ah, there you go. Yep. Right. They're not revenue generating. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So if they're, but you're saying it's super important. Super important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. And you're absolutely right. I love the way you phrase that. It's not apparent that they're generating revenue. Expound on that. Yeah. I mean, they're, because they're not the one, you know, um, they're not the one treating the patient. They're not the one having the client buy the package of sessions to work with you, but they are that first um, impression for the client when they, like I said, call our office. So that goes such a long way for setting the tone from the very beginning. Um, it is 
you know, it is a sales process. It is, we are, we are helping the people who reach out to us understand why, how we can help them and why we can help them and, and why they should invest their, their time, money, energy with us. And so that's, that starts with her. And so if that, if that process isn't started well, it's really hard to make it end well. Um, yeah, you know, you're kind is, of, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're dead on with that. You're, you're absolutely right. I think I thought where you were going to go with this was, um, you get a cancel, right? So, mm how much easier and how much is it worth it to athletic lab to fill that spot? And so Carrie, right? Yep. Yep. Like Carrie's ability to fill that spot, um, especially if you're busy should be very easy. And, totally. and that pays for her, that pays for her week of salary or whatever it is. Like, yep. especially if it's a new client. So, so I think that's where sometimes that gets missed. It took me a while to learn that. And, and I still have that conversation with my head of admin. Who's like, you only idiot. Like, remember, <laughs> like, it's really important. It's not just about PTs. It's really important that we get those patients in, in. And, and that's worth, they're worth their weight in gold. Right. Yeah. And even, even nurturing the clients and the patients we do have, you know, I mentioned think people were kind of falling through the cracks. Well, one of the biggest challenges is, is getting new patients in the door. So once, mm -hmm. once we have patients in the door, once we have people as a part of our community and our ecosystem, how can we nurture them? How can we make sure they're getting followed up with? And Carrie has been such a huge part of helping us organize that process, stay on top of those people, um, know when to reach out to those people. So uh, yeah, it's not just about the new people. It's also about the current community that we do have. Um, great point. Um, how did you find Carrie? And if you say uh, PT Biz, I'm going to sign no. up for PT Biz. How <laughs> yeah. did you find Carrie? Uh, indeed. indeed. So okay. good old indeed. Yeah. We, she's actually in West Virginia. So she's a virtual admin um, and she's working 20 hours per week. So we, indeed was great. You just, you know, you put your, your ad for what you need online. And um, now they have questions that you can get the voice recordings in response to. So that's kind of a good screener, especially since all her work is over the phone. Um, so so she yeah, we did. She doesn't sit at a desk. She doesn't do video interaction. It's all phone. It's all phone. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So she, she, yeah. I have so many questions around this. Okay. So um, first of all, how the hell did you know how to interview for Carrie? We, um, tell me a horror story around that. There well, <laughs> yeah, she, Carrie is not our first yeah, admin. So never, <laughs> Carrie's never the first hire we get. You know, and we didn't realize how good Carrie is, right? Or how, how, um, inadequate our first one was until Carrie, right. you know, like, so, we had a sense like, mm, is this really how it should be? Like, we feel like it could be better. And uh, we, we actually, yeah, parted ways. It wasn't working. And then so found Carrie and we were like, God, we should have done this this months ago. Um, but you just don't know because she was the first person I have ever hired in my life. Right. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. um, we uh, leaned into uh, the network that we have and people who that's, that's a nice thing about the network. People are always like behind you in business, right at your level in business and ahead of you in business. So we leaned into those people who had hired, um, client care coordinators or admins in the past and, 
what did you find helpful? What were the questions you asked? What did you look for? Um, things like that. Awesome. So what was, if I put it all on you, what was the mistake you made during that interview process that prevented you from getting Carrie the first time around? Yeah. Um, you know, we had someone help us with the vetting process. We felt like we were time poor. And so we had someone do a bulk of the interviewing and we trusted that person to know what we wanted and know what we needed. And I think as much as they had our best interest um, top of mind, it, we should have been doing those interviews. We should have put in the time to do that, especially for our first hire to really get a sense. And we, we did interact, but it, it just should have been us from the very beginning uh, doing those interviews. So, so be that. I, that's a great answer. That's yeah. a great answer. Um, and, and something I've definitely learned myself, like even with PTs, um, where it's like, however much FaceTime you can get with the prospective employee, it, it, it actually goes both ways, right? It lets you learn them, but they, the potential employee needs to hear the vision of athletic lab or whatever business you're working for from the founder sure. one way or another. Um, and I think that would go a long way. So tell me about how you found Julia, who's your, your first, um, staff PT. Hire. Yeah, that was, uh, also indeed, <laughs> you know, okay. we okay. had reached out, we had done social media posts. We reached out to our network. We were really just trying to go, we were trying to utilize the, the PTs, we know the communities that we're a part of to find, find a physical therapist. And, um, I think that probably worked in conjunction with our indeed ad, but, uh, she, she reached out and she had actually been working in a practice also in Santa Monica that was cash based, but was, uh, mostly focused on red cord with their patients. So Julia just wanted a little more, leeway and more flexibility in terms of how she could work with her patients. So she liked the model. She liked the one-on-one -on -one aspect of things, but was looking for more flexibility in, in that. So she was, uh, luckily, you know, we didn't have to go through a, a big interview process with a lot of people before her, um, before we felt like she was the right fit. Cool. It, how would you improve on your clinical interview process? I would, so our initial, we did an initial phone call. You're like, it's um, perfect. I can't answer. <laughs> yeah, it's like the kind of the thing where you don't know what you don't know, right? right? Which fair. is so, which is so much of this. Yeah. Um, and only that having entrepreneurship, yes. you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think it went okay, but I'm, I know it could be better. That's like Let's everything get, we Julie, do, you know, Julie, <laughs> I know. what didn't we do well? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, especially since there are two of us, me and Lauren, I think it would, it would be nice to have separate interviews with Julia, separate one-on-one -on -one interactions with her versus the two of us together with her. Um, That's we really would, yeah, I think I like kind of speaks to what you were asking about in the beginning of how can we better utilize both of us? You know, there are, there are two, two people. So a lot of times we can be better about not just being one person, right? Actually leverage the fact that there are two of us. Um, I think having her come in and do more shadowing 
you know, so, so far it has worked out, but there was minimal kind of interaction in the clinic with clients, with us, um, really learning the ropes. And I think that to have that part of the interview process, so they see the way the clinic works and see if they fit with the culture and the clients and how they interact with people uh, would be good to see, because we definitely just took a chance on that, you know, and so far it has worked out, but it'd be nice to say, no, I know she is good interacting with clients. I, I know she fits with, with this versus like, I think so. How did you test her clinically? How did you gauge her acumen? We did some patient cases with her. So we, we didn't have her actually treat any of our clients. Um, but we had some discussions of kind of paper patient cases. Um, we see, we specialize in working with runners. So, um, we just took her through a running analysis we did and asked some of her thoughts on what she would do or what she would look at. How would she treat this patient? So it was more of a discussion than an actual watching her, watching her. That makes sense. Um, okay. Tell me what, tell me what you would improve on my interview process on our interview process at true sports ready ready yeah okay so first thing we do is we do a phone screen okay and i just want to see how they are on the phone general ease of um i guess interpersonal skills then if they're decent uh we bring them in and i send them a case prior to them coming in and it's a mm. full write-up of uh, a host of pathologies um mm-hmm with measurements, with whatever it is I want them to have so that when they come in, they are prepared. They know that I'm going to be the patient and they're going to treat me and I'm going to role play the entire patient popula- or case um, and all the way through. Then after we, I give them 45 minutes to do that. Then after we do that, um, if I, I think they're a viable candidate, I will walk through and then I'll do what you did, which is Let's bounce some questions. What does this patient look like at six months? What does this patient look yeah. like? You know, what, what if this patient doesn't have realistic expectations, et cetera, et cetera? Um, what home exercises would you be doing? How do you teach that? Uh, all these things. Um, and then after that, um, I'm always saying like, okay, what kind of questions do you have or what kind of feedback do you have and stuff like that and really gauging their level of interest and, and where their focus is, right? Like is their first question are we all for columbus day i forgot what movie that is but that's like is that where their head is or is it right. um, oh how much loading stuff like that and then um then we make a decision if i have any other question you know what else i do i make sure that they meet every staff member of that clinic mm. including and i'm watching how do they talk to reception how sure do they talk to the other pts how do they deal with the strength coach etc yeah um, and and just so i can get a feel for what it would look like but lissa what did I miss in that pot? Like, how would you make that better? Having, having them ask questions of you and your, like having them guide the process of does the clinic that they're going to work at fit with their values. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I can get more of a gauge as to what it is um, they value. Yeah. Yeah. And if it aligns with what true sports values. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Um, I, I, I know that's not what you were looking for. But... I, I, I don't know that I had, uh, I had anything in mind that I was looking for. I'm just always interested in, um, you know, you bring so many things to the table. One of which is 
where you are in your career trajectory. Like I am mm-hmm. no longer seven years post graduate school. I'm 15 sure. years, right? So like what, or, and I'm not two years into my private practice. I'm nine or something, right? So, sure. so like, I'm interested in like, what am I missing? Like what's the latest and greatest or, so I don't have anything that I'm really thinking like, oh, let's see if Lisa says this. Um, it's kind of right. like one of those things where I don't know what I don't know. Um, but I'm always, I'm always kind of interested in, the, in that. I, I've heard other um, business owners or interviewers um, do like a work style um, test or analysis. So you get a feel for oh, sure. kind of what personality they are. I haven't done that. Um, I've had, I've had them have multiple rounds. So they meet with me and then they'll meet with another and that, um, so that that's just another way to like hit all facets. We just haven't worked that in. Um, yep. yet. Um, do you, so do you, it sounds like you, you do the patient cases with them. You have, you have them treat you or do an eval on you. Do you actually have them then shadow and hang out in the clinic and follow therapists and so not required, but uh-huh. I would say if you're really interested, like you should, you should be doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that's on the applicant. Uh, is it mm-hmm. something I'm grading? No, but some of our strongest clinicians who have had such a long, uh, career with us, I guess it, they're the ones who are just like, Oh, can I also like stick around shadow or you haven't gotten mm-hmm. back to me? Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I come in and like check out the Columbia? You know, they're staying right. top right. of mind. Um, yeah. Proves that they really want to be a piece of it. So I haven't yep. required it, but it's something I look for. Good question. The other thing that comes to mind uh, yeah, just talking about this is like, could I have dinner with this person? Could I have lunch with this person and actually go to dinner with that person? Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause it take them out of the work setting and how are they as a person? I know it's just I, so different than just asking what they like to do or asking about their values, but take them into a social situation where the stakes are a little lower and just have dinner I, with them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's super powerful. Before I took my first job, there was an opportunity from a, an employer that I knew I wasn't going to take. I wonder, like, I guess this wasn't the nicest thing to do, but I wanted to get good at that dinner interview. So, so he said, why don't we go out to dinner in my head? I'm like, I'm probably not taking this job, but I want to huh. get better at that skill. Right. Um, and so, so I went, it, it is, it's a really tough skill when you're doing that, um, where, you know, because they're probably watching everything. I know I would be where like, I'm watching, how do you interact with the waiter? How do you order? Do you have crap all over your face? (laughs) Right. So, so I think there's, I think there's value there. Um, the, the, the thing you're up against is we, I've learned this also, um, by making mistakes with this is you want to make a decision quickly. I want to meet Lisa Cleary. She's a rock star. I want to have everything lined up to say, here's what we pay. Here's the structure sign here. Because yep. once I let you out into the ether, it's like, you might forget about me. I might forget about you. Hmm. And, and I've, or if I start saying, okay, but let me have you meet this person and that person, like mm-hmm. either it's the person or it's not. Mm-hmm. And so just making sure that you're ready to commit, um, when you see it is that what you're looking for. And I think you have to identify what you're looking for, you know? So let me ask you this, Lisa, this is so powerful because it's going to get you tons of resumes. What are you looking for in your next hire? Yeah. So we, um, are looking, we treat a, an active population, like formal athletes or not, right? Every, 
if you're, if you're active, you're an athlete in our eyes. And so we, we love people who have communities that they want to then be able to help with physical therapy, with performance training, right? So for example, Julia, our last hire, she is really, uh, she's engrossed in the rock climbing community and, um, you know, outdoor adventure sports. And so that was different from what Lauren and I have kind of niches in. So it's nice if, um, you know, the next PT we're looking for has another sport or activity that, that they love to do that they can then go out into the community and get some of those, those clientele through the door. So it doesn't need to be a specific sport, but uh, something that they're passionate about and that they have a community around and then can, can interweave that their work with, you know, their lifestyle. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, okay. So that's a lot of clinical stuff, right? Tell me about, um, like, like how did you come up with the contract for when you, when you decided, you said like, Hey, Julia is the person I want to be our first hire. Who did your contract for you? Who, who does that? Who did your lease review for you? Yeah. Um, a lot of that was through the business group, honestly, okay. like they just gave you a lawyer. No, they did. No, we, um, I reached out to another physical therapist who has her own practice again, just using my network and asked, does she have a lawyer that could look over our lease? So she referred us a lawyer, you know, so, um, it's all been through people we know who have are one step ahead of us or five steps ahead of us. Um, yeah. and so, but the, the contract was, you know, it's, it's not like it takes a lot to, to go through. There's not a lot of legal jargon in it. Um, as long as we met the, the rules of California and, and the federal rules and uh, that was, that was it. And, and Gusto actually is who we do our payroll through. They have a really good HR system. They have a contract that you could use that is state by state specific that you really don't need. We probably didn't even need to hire a lawyer to look it over because they're, you know, they're, yeah, our contracted kind of PR and payroll firm or HR, sorry, and payroll firm. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So that's the legal box. Yep. That's the HR box. Talk to yep. me about accounting. Accounting. So we, we have our own accountant that helps us with pretty much taxes and kind of uh, um, allocating money in the business, right? How much you know, we have this much for marketing. Is that how much we should allocate? Um, you know, how much, how much do we need to, to put away for taxes? And, and once you get a payroll, which we now have things just skyrocket in terms yeah. of expenses, you know, that you don't expect. So the account, all these people have been just invaluable to, these are things that I don't, I don't know what I don't know. And I know, I don't know a lot. So yeah. rather than me spending the time to figure it out, we pay people to do it for us that we trust and we know it's going to get done right from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's some of the great advice that I got early on was to build that team. Um, yep. And even, even within that team, I would encourage um, anyone considering doing this would be to interview those people and just get a feel for how they treat you. Right. Just like you would yep. do clinically. Um, I had a great experience with, with a financial um, institution where I went in and just talked to them and they just freaking looked right through me. And by the way, probably justified because I had $11 to my name, Yeah. Uh, but I went to the guy and the institution that I currently use and he treated me like I had $11 million. It was nuts. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and that has just continued to also like pay for itself. So 
totally um, worthwhile to go through that process and see the way they treat you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I'm, you get what you pay for. Like I've learned that time and time again in this process. You know, there's a couple of things we've tried to do cheaply or, or save yeah. money on. And you, you just don't want to do that when it comes to an accountant, a lawyer, like the people who are going to be the, the backbone of making sure your business stays afloat. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, listen, maybe you can help me with this, how, how you dealt with it. Because if you asked me my number one fear in starting uh, my own PT clinic, it would be who's going to help me when the printer goes offline. <laughs> like I just thought I would be totally lost with that. So why was that not a fear for you and who helps you with those little things? Um, you know, Google, <laughs> like okay. you can Google it. It's like how to fix the yes. HP 830 printer, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, how to plunge, I mean, how to plunge a toilet. Like I know how to plunge a toilet, but little things like that, you just don't think are going to come up. Um, so honestly, I Google a lot more than I've ever done. Yeah. Um, and especially you do a lot of Googling when you don't have money to just pay someone to, someone to come. And yeah. I just remember sitting on my ass behind the front desk for Hours, hours on phone yeah. with technical support but but also i would say this to to the young entrepreneur and then i'm going to ask you your best advice to a new young pt entrepreneur my best advice would be know how to do every role within your business it's going to help you train, I love that yeah it's going to help you attract and so i spent months scheduling you like running my own schedule right yeah i spent a long time like arguing back and forth with my biller and so I learned the billing game and the insurance game and, and trying to understand that marketing as well. Now you have a leg up on me with your UVA education, but how do you market, right? How do you get them to listen and respond, stuff like that? So I would say really dive into those details and, and become, become close to an expert in all facets of what happens in your four walls and supplement everything else on the outside with experts, yep. legal, um, accounting, marketing etc. Lisa, yep. your best advice to the new young PT entrepreneur. Yeah, I, consistency is key. Consistency is queen, king, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, I think it's, it's all about reps and small but very intentional steps. It can seem, it still seems very overwhelming for me. You know, like, where am I going to be in five years? But if I think about that, then I'm not focusing on those those daily processes that have have got me to this point in two years. You know, so at this point, I've made thousands and thousands of choices and decisions and some good, some bad. It doesn't matter where they've been good. It doesn't matter whether they've been bad. I think it matters that I that you make the choices, you make a decision um, and and then you you assess from there, you respond to, all right, maybe I need to make more decisions like this. Maybe I need to make, not make so many decisions like that one, you know, but cons the consistency of, of making choices, making those decisions, and then, um, e evaluating the result from those you has been you huge. Sound like you sound like Marcus Aurelius. You sound like a re like that you're really able to stay in the present moment and that you're very mindful about being present. By the way, if I had to deconstruct it, thinking back to your right knee MPFL. Yeah. Hell yeah. 50-50. But I remember, <laughs> yeah, right. the table. I remember what side I was nice. on. And I think that's how I knew. And that's why every once in a while before you started Athletic Lab, I would send you a text being like, hey, can you please come work for True Sports? Because you are so good at connecting. And that comes from you being present 
and mindful. Um, and I really appreciate that about you. So good on you. Thanks, Yoni. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was obvious to predict that you'd be wildly successful. So with that- Which I'll tell you is not easy because my, um, I, I haven't had very many nicknames in my life, but one of them was walks ahead, right? So it's, it's you know, I do tend to, it is hard to say, it's a, it's a skill, right? Staying present and, and working on that consistency is a skill for sure. Um, so, you know. Yeah, well, you're great at it. So thank you. Um, that brings us to our lightning round. Ready? Please don't think a lot. Just answer. Don't say right. um. Don't look away from the camera. Just lock right. in. Stay All present. Right. I'm what here. Is a, what is a life lesson you learned from your father? Um, what? Don't oh God, there's um. so many. Uh, take take your your gifts and your beliefs seriously. So I think we all have gifts and beliefs that like if we really dig deep we we know what those are um and take them seriously because that's how you make a difference in other people's lives i've i've I'd, i think my dad has probably said that to me at some point but i see that in how he treats people right he he has gifts and he he is he is true to himself um and has encouraged me to be just true to myself and be the best version that I can of myself because that's how I'm going to make a difference in other people's lives. Yeah, that that's awesome. He's an awesome dude and I didn't spend that much time with him, but he, he had a, a really big effect on me as well. I think he's, he's just a, a wealth of knowledge and I'm not surprised that it was very easy for you to pull on a life lesson that he passed down. He, he's a, yeah. he's a great dude. Um, okay. What's your favorite book and why? Ooh, uh, infinite games by Simon Sinek actually was, that's a new favorite book for me. It was recommended to me by a fellow pod member of yours and just awesome human Kelly Starrett. So I heard him speak at one of our, our business networking events and he brought it up and the, it, it's just changed how I think about life, changed how I think about business. You know, business can be a grind and it's hard work. Right. And if you are constantly thinking about, I just need to work really hard and then get to this point, right? If it's, if life is a series of games that you need to play and win, you're going to be grinding your whole life versus thinking about life business as this infinite game, right? There aren't winners. There aren't losers. It's just, are, are you playing the game and how are you playing the game? And do you enjoy playing the game? Um, and so I think that has just, that has made the work more enjoyable and it, it really makes you stop and think about okay you know what game am i playing and do i enjoy playing this game yeah there's that sounds a lot like kelly that he would he would push something like that with, yeah uh, i mean that guy's passion is unbelievable he made oh. me and he made me enjoy this game he really did um and i was yeah. totally out on the profession and he totally kept me in except he prefers light roast over dark roast coffee. And that makes zero <laughs> sense and is ridiculous. Yeah. He's listening to this, which he's not. That's funny. But it's, it's really absurd. I tried to bring him over to the dark side. Uh -huh. It may have worked a little bit. Okay. <laughs> if you were to work in another field, what would it be? Mm, well, I've always wished I was a, a Broadway singer, like a Broadway actor, Broadway singer. Yeah, I have no talent in that regard, but I am fascinated by... Um, yeah, by that world. Okay. And so, you know, 
that's my that's my that's my don't think about it just answer response yeah good answer um okay what was the biggest business mistake you've made thus far Mm. um i think not not getting into a space sooner like our own space sooner um, I think we got just comfortable and complacent in the space we were at. And um, I think if we had done this sooner and taken the risk sooner, it would have led to you know, more growth. Yeah, which isn't always a great thing, but true, but it, true, true. But it's a thing. Um, yeah, I can, I can respect that. But my wife would say everything happens for a reason. Um, sure. And, and okay, I, I, it's amazing that you had to think that hard about a a business mistake. Do you know how quickly I could rattle off my business <laughs> mistakes? It's crazy. I would not be able to shut up if you asked me that question. So don't. Um, Lissa, serious, serious pleasure. You have been awesome. Tell, tell me where, or tell everyone listening, where can we find you? So our Instagram is athletic lab PT. Um, and that's, you know, that's our biggest social presence. Um, yeah. Okay. How about an email? Like, do you have an email that I'm sure? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So email is Lissa L Y S S A at athletic lab PT.com. Okay. Awesome. And you're, you're doing great things. Like I always said, like I probably said at the end of your rehab, you let me know if I can ever help you because after this pod, I freaking owe you. So Thank you for your time and thank you for just what you're doing out there. You're doing awesome, awesome things. Say hi to your dad. I will. Thank you, Yoni. Yeah, I'm just trying to follow in your footsteps. You know, you've been an awesome, awesome mentor along the way. So I appreciate it. It's fun to reconnect. Yeah, absolutely. Let's stay in touch. Thank you, Liz. All right.